I speak to you in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Having just celebrated Thanksgiving a little over a week ago, and now with Christmas just right around the corner, perhaps you have experienced this busyness that this season brings. At home, many of us have been cleaning and putting out our Christmas decorations, decorating the tree, dusting off that old cheesy Christmas sweater as we get ready for all sorts of holiday parties. Some of us might even be getting ready to host guests in our homes, maybe in the first time since the pandemic started. And getting ready to host guests requires a lot of work. If you're anything like my family growing up, hosting a party was all hands on deck and created a whole lot of chaos as we ran around frantically vacuuming and cleaning bathrooms and straightening up the backyard before the guests arrive. Being on the eve of receiving company requires not only a fair amount of straightening up, But it also tends to make us much more aware of those things in our homes that need fixing. Maybe a broken towel rack, or a burned out light bulb, or a wobbly chair, or maybe even a loose doorknob. Getting ready to receive company forces us to examine our surroundings in a whole new perspective. The main character in our gospel story this morning, John the Baptist, probably didn't know a whole lot about putting up Christmas decorations or even all that goes into welcoming guests for the holidays. But he did understand the kind of preparation, the kind of self-examination folks ought to go through as they get ready to receive Jesus. On this second Sunday of Advent, our reading marks the beginning of John the Baptist's ministry. And you probably noticed that the author of Luke kicks it all off by listing a whole bunch of hard-to-pronounce names. We get Emperor Tiberius in there, Pontius Pilate, Herod, Philip, the ruler of Ituria, and Traconitus, Licinius, ruler of Abilene, Annas, and Caiaphas even get thrown into the mix. And no, this isn't just to make life difficult for who's ever reading the gospel today. And Reverend Patty, you did a very nice job, by the way. But rather, it follows a pattern of a number of the prophetic books in the Old Testament. Books like Jeremiah and Ezekiel, Hosea, Amos, Micah, and even Zephaniah all introduce their prophets by first listing the important figures of the day as a way of setting the prophet's ministry in the political context of the time. So in following this similar pattern, Luke signals to his readers that a new prophet, John the Baptist, is on the scene. And the author of Luke is also intentional about signaling to his readers that a change is on hand. Something new is about to happen. The verses from the book of Isaiah quoted in this lesson, 
the ones about preparing the way of the Lord and the hills being made low and the rough ways being made smooth were words that were originally intended to offer comfort and hope to the Israelites during their time of exile in Babylon. There are words meant to ensure the Israelites that their time of oppression would soon end with God's rescue. In using this text from Isaiah, Luke signals to his readers that God's liberating power is once again at hand. God is going to liberate God's people from the forces of oppression. In this context, Roman occupation and the brutal tax system that was being imposed by Herod and set them free. In hearing this text from Isaiah, Luke's audience's ears would have perked up a bit. They would make the connection that John the Baptist was the voice preparing them for the new thing that God was about to do. Now, what's interesting about God's choice of John the Baptist as God's messenger is that compared to the emperor and to the governor, and even the high priest mentioned at the beginning of this story, John was an ordinary guy. God chose to reveal his word about the preparation for the coming Messiah, not to the luminaries of the day, but to a simple wilderness dweller. And the fact that all this takes place out in the wilderness is also noteworthy. The wilderness was scary and confusing, uncivilized, far from the seats of political and religious power of Rome and Jerusalem. And God's choice of John and where God spoke to John tell us that God's work takes root in unexpecting ways. The repentance that John talks about, metanoia in Greek, means to turn around, to reorient oneself. It involves taking a fresh look at those things which prevent us from being open to the new work that God is doing. Advent is a season that calls us to put ourselves in a position to let God be God. To not let our own desires, our own expectations, hinder us from seeing the surprising work of God. As one scholar writes, during this season we are perpetually on the eve of God's coming, knowing and not knowing what it will be. And as we prepare for the Christ child to come, so too we prepare ourselves for God's work among us, knowing God will act, but not knowing the form it might take. Advent insists that we stay in this tension for a while, that we remain watchful and on eve, just like being on the eve of hosting guests in our homes, this season forces us 
to look with fresh eyes at those things in our lives that might need some fixing. Those things that prevent us from allowing God to speak, speak to us in new and surprising ways. And I suspect we all have things in our lives that could use a bit of fixing. Things that keep us focused inward and close us off from the work of God. During this season of Advent, we are called to let God be God, to put ourselves in a position to bear witness to the life-giving work of God that breaks into our world and in our lives in new and unexpecting ways. Amen.